What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Casual Big Ten Podcast. Today is, what is today? Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. My name is Kent Peterson. I'm the host of this show. On today's show, we welcome back everyone's favorite Jones from the Jonesing for Sports podcast. It's Brandon Jones. We're going to talk about Michigan and the championship winning Wolverines. Brandon, how you doing today? You know I'm doing about as good as humanly possible. <laughs> uh, there has never been a better time to be a Michigan football fan. Uh, it's not in my lifetime, at least. So this is, uh, I'm on cloud nine. What? How old were you when uh, 1997 happened? Do you have vivid memories of that? <laughs> no memories. Uh, so I, I was uh, I was born in 92. Okay. And the, the first football memories I have are of uh, John Navarre, mm. which, uh, you know, not you know, it's a little bit after, but not not too far. So unfortunately, I don't have memories of uh, of Woodson, you know, with the the one handed snag interception, you know, uh, unfortunately, that's just a little bit too much before my time. So technically it was in my lifetime, but I, I can't really claim to have enjoyed it or experienced it. Well, congratulations to you. Congratulations to uh, Michigan. Obviously, this is a huge year, national championship. It's good for the conference, I think. It's obviously mm -hmm. good for uh, Michigan fans. Uh, before we go back to what happened uh, this past Monday night in the national championship, I do want to go over the regular season real quick. Um, do you have a favorite game from this season, whether it be just like a rivalry game or a game where you kind of just knew that this is kind of the year, because if you remember on the preview show when we had you on, you said this was a national championship or bust season. Was yep. there a moment this season during the regular the regular season, I say season a million times, uh, where you felt like, man, I'm actually right about this. We have a shot here. <laughs> so I was super confident in the preseason. What I did not foresee coming was this uh, sign-stealing scandal, uh, Harbaugh suspension, multiple times suspended. Uh, so I had my doubts when all of this stuff kind of hit. And then for Michigan to get through Penn State, um, get by Maryland, and then the, my favorite game, not during the game. I mean, it was like a root canal. Ohio State was torture. And then when they got through it, they got that interception. Uh, they survived at the end. That's that's where I was like, wow, okay. They're, they might actually, uh, they might do this. And then we got Harbaugh back and it was, you know, roses from there. But yeah, Ohio State was, was the favorite game just because uh, it felt like they were trying to win three games in one. Because losing that game, I think you're gonna you're gonna lose some legitimacy. I mean, I don't believe this, but I think a lot of people would have would have thought, well, you couldn't beat him without your sign stealing. So mm. it felt like the weight of 2021, 2022, and 2023 all in one game. And our head coach isn't even coaching that game, so that was just huge. And I, I think probably most Michigan fans thought we were gonna lose when Ohio State's driving down six points. Yeah. Uh, so that that interception, uh, it was just it was amazing. It was shocking uh, because, as some, you know, usually we don't get that kind of fairy tale ending. So uh, we were all like, oh, they're going to they're going to go get seven points and beat us by one. And we got the stop. So it was, it was perfect. Yeah, I definitely thought Ohio State was scoring right there. It just kind of felt like 
you know, the cards were falling perfectly for them. They got it back with the right amount of time. And mm-hmm. their offense had done that already. We already saw them do that in that Notre Dame game. So it sounded it, right. to me, it looked like a replay of the Notre Dame game. They were going to go down, get a last second touchdown and win the game. I do want to give you an opportunity to take a bit of a victory lap. You did predict an undefeated season. And I looked you in the eyes on July 10th when that uh, last podcast that we did together came out and said that Michigan was going to lose to Penn State. Do you want to uh, <laughs> rub that in a little bit on me? Uh, I might give you a pass because I think I was with you that Penn State was going to be better than they were this year. Uh, I really thought that their passing game was going to be at least functional. Man, I mean, for Michigan to go into that game, I I don't think they have a pass uh, statistically in the second half. Um, J.J. McCarthy threw the ball eight times, and they still won. So I think you were close. Um, and I think it was a little bit lucky for Michigan that – Penn State wasn't as good as maybe a lot of people thought they could be. I mean, Drew Aller was uh, kind of a disappointment. So uh, I'm just happy that they escaped that game. Uh, I might have, uh, I did, I did stick to my guns in that I, I wagered a, a sizable amount of money on Michigan to win that game. But with uh, Harbaugh getting suspended mid-flight, I was really second guessing myself. <laughs> so uh, no, I don't feel the need to do any victory lap. I'm just glad they survived that one. I think it for me, it was more about like, I thought Penn State's defense was going to be a little bit better. And, you know, they were okay in that game. The defense was at least, but it was just like, it kind of felt like, you know, the game that we just watched against Washington, they kind of held up as long as they Mm -hmm. could. And then they just got wore out at the end and uh, Michigan was able to score uh, enough at the end to get the win. Was there a moment you were most nervous that the undefeated season was slipping away? Was it that Ohio State game? Yeah, definitely when uh, Ohio State was driving on that that last possession. Uh, and yeah, I, for Penn State, I definitely had some doubts, especially when we realized, oh, we can't block their defensive end. Like yeah. He's just going to get a free pass every time. Uh, but fortunately, yeah, our defense was phenomenal. Uh, and yeah, Penn State didn't really have the ability to score the football. So uh, that one made me have doubts, but the biggest doubt was definitely Ohio State. Yeah. Will you survive? I guess you could say you survive. I mean, I, I think that Michigan won those games like, you know, the way that Michigan should win those games. Um, so I don't really want to say survive. You win those games. You go 12-0. and 0, uh, Second year in a row that Michigan – am I right about this? They, were they 12-0 and 0 last year? Or did they lose yeah. one last year? Uh, no, I believe we, we went undefeated. The last 12, regular oh, yeah. season loss was 2021 to Michigan State. That's right. That's right. I did tweet about that. That was, a, that was two years ago. Okay, so 12-0 and 0, once again. Um, you're heading into the playoffs and uh, obviously selection Sunday or whatever you want to call it a bit of a surprise that Alabama slides in at that number four spot. Um, you draw Alabama in the Rose Bowl. Talk a little bit about just before the game, what you're feeling even even before kickoff. How, how are you feeling going into that game? Did it feel like we still got this or was it like, man, it's big, bad Alabama. This is going to be bad news. <laughs> I definitely thought that they had the ability to compete and I thought that if they executed, they could win. What I didn't expect is that they would not execute for large portions of the game and still win, uh, to have multiple drop punts, uh, dropped, uh, catches from the wide receivers. And then they still just stayed in the game. Missed they extra rallied point. after they went down. 
uh, mixed extra point. I mean, it's just stuff they hadn't done all year. Uh, so I was shocked by that. Uh, but pregame, I thought that they had a good shot as long as they executed. And unfortunately, I didn't have a ton of confidence that they would execute because of uh, past bowl game history. I mean, right. TCU comes to mind. Basically, every Harbaugh game comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't really play their best game, and they still won. So, yeah, that's another one where it's like, man, I'll take it. Go, looking back on the Rose Bowl, I think a lot of people were were hoping to to see Florida State. And obviously hindsight here, but to see Michigan and Bama in the Rose Bowl, it's like it is two of the greatest programs and, you know, history and the colors, uniforms. It, it's just I think that was like a painting of a perfect college football evening. So uh, that's one that's going to stick in the memory for a long time. I do want to ask you, too, about that final drive for Michigan um, mm-hmm. to force overtime that was another point. There was two points during the season where I thought Michigan was going to lose. And the first one was the Ohio State game when they were driving. And then the last one was, or the second one, I should say, was when Michigan got the ball and they're down a touchdown. To me, it felt like this is the same old Alabama. They got lucky during the Auburn game. I've seen them win, you know, uh, I think it was a national championship on a last play on a fourth down. Um, it just felt like, okay, here's Alabama again. They're, they always get this. It yep. felt like that was a chance for them to go get an interception from J.J. McCarthy and seal that game for mm-hmm. Alabama. Uh, how did you feel on that last drive? You had to have been freaking <laughs> out. Yeah, it it was pretty tense in, in our household. Uh, at the same time, it's so weird how, I mean, at that point, they had 13 points, and they couldn't really move the ball, and then they went the – basically the length of the field with just awesome play designs and then a little bit of luck with the uh, that long pass Roman Wilson that was tipped. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it all came together in just a beautiful game-winning drive that, yeah, that's what you're hoping for, but you're not expecting as a Michigan fan. Uh, but, yeah, they, they saved their best for that one. It was beautiful. Yep, force overtime. Obviously, everyone saw what happened in overtime. Michigan scores pretty easily, a couple runs from Blake Corum. And uh, then stops Alabama on their fourth down. Uh, kind of a low snap, but, you know, I think they would have got that stop anyways, even if he got the snap. Um, I don't think that really affected the play. So you go to the national championship. You're in it. Everyone can breathe. That's a Michigan fan. They finally got that playoff win. They're in the national championship. And then all week I hear about uh, Washington's offense is unstoppable. Michael Penix is the best quarterback that Michigan has faced all year. You're going into the national championship game. What are the vibes like at that point? So I I really loved the matchup. It felt like to me, Michigan was building for the past couple of years to beat a high-powered offense that's led by a quarterback and elite receivers. And we've been basically practicing for that matchup with Ohio State. And I thought that this was going to be similar to the 2021 game against Ohio state where Michigan was able to run the ball basically at will Uh, Ohio state would score, but Michigan would just score more. And then defensively, they'd put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. It kind of came out that way, but Michigan obviously did stall offensively and they really stopped Washington. I would have never guessed that Washington would only score 13 points. Um, So that's a huge credit Michigan's defense. It's an all time group. Uh, They're definitely uh, legends in my book. 
but I was very confident, but I would never have said, yeah, we're going to win by 21. That's uh, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Was there a moment in the first quarter, and be honest about this, where you were like, this is over immediately? Because those first two drives, <laughs> yeah. you know, it looked good for, from the defensive standpoint. Like you said, when Washington had the ball after the first touchdown, it felt like Michigan kind of did this all night. They were in the bend, don't break, nothing's going over yep. the top. We don't care if they get close. We just don't want them to score. It bit them one time. Uh, Washington was able to get that touchdown. But other than that, like after that first drive, and then Michigan comes right back out and gets another long touchdown, in my mind, I'll be honest, I thought it was going to be a blowout. Did you think it was yeah. over right then? Yeah, so I think it got to did I think it got to 17-3 at one point. And that's I was like, oh, man, like, I don't got to worry about my bets the rest of the night. These guys are rolling. <laughs> and then it got back to a one score game uh, and I was starting to sweat. But the the point where I started to think that there's just no way they were going to lose was the, I guess, both Donovan Edwards touchdowns because he has not done that at all this year. Mm -hmm. He has never had those types of holes to run through, which is his whole game is find a massive hole and sprint through it because he's super fast. Uh I was like, oh, these guys can't defend the run. I mean, oh, yeah. they're not a Big Ten defense. So that's where I was starting to think, maybe count my my chickens before they hatched a little bit, uh, because they definitely did make some good adjustments. And uh, Michigan, they left that door wide open for pretty much the whole second and third quarter. Uh, but yeah, when it got up uh, 14 points, I was, I was thinking that game was over. I thought that Michigan was going to really blow it open. Uh, so maybe I was a little too overconfident, but... Uh, I'm just glad that they, they got the W. Yeah. Will Johnson, Mike Sanderstill, Sanderstill. I always have a hard time saying his last name. <laughs> Mikey. He likes it. Mikey. Yeah. That's all I'll ever want to call him. Uh, those guys got a ton of credit and for good reason. I've listened to your podcast enough to know that you know the defense pretty much forward and backwards. Is there a guy that people weren't talking about either on Twitter or just like after the game? that you were like, man, this dude really was the reason on defense that we were able to get this win tonight. That's that's tough. Uh, I think most of the guys got a decent amount of credit. Um, just through the course of the season, and I know a lot of people are going to say he did get a lot of credit, but I think Will Johnson is the best corner back in, in the entire country. Um, his interception where – and this was a product of the defensive line getting pressure on Penix. So I want to give those guys props too. But Penix throws it either to a receiver or trying to go out of bounds. And his receiver bats the ball out of Will Johnson's hands. And then he was able to re-catch it on the way down. I mean, that's stuff. You don't see wide receivers making that catch. Uh, he hasn't allowed a touchdown this year. And he's just he's phenomenal. He's the best at what he does. He, he gets some credit, but I, I'd like to see more people talk about how I – that he's the best corner in the country and lucky for us. He's going to come back next year because he's only a true sophomore. Uh, Mason Graham did get a lot of talk, but he's just a game destructor at defensive tackle and uh, the entire defensive line. I thought that was just a masterclass. Um, I guess those guys, but also Jesse Minter, I think his, well, you, you talked about it. The, the bend don't break was the perfect uh, strategy. I mean, you're going to let them waste time. You're going to force them to make really tough uh, throws in the red zone. And the one touchdown they got, that came on fourth down. I mean, they made it so hard for Washington to score. So, yeah, yeah props to all those guys. Yeah, Mason Graham was the name that I was looking for. I felt like the whole game he was kind of 
I mean, I don't know if he even had a sack, but he was always in the backfield and he was right there yeah. putting pressure uh, on Penix throughout the game. Uh, win the national championship. Uh, like I said, it's first time since 1997. It's been a long time for Michigan. It's been a lot of back and forth with Ohio State fans and Michigan State fans and any fan like from the South for sure that talks about how long it's been. They love to bring up Michigan's half national championship in 1997, and the last real one hasn't been since, what was it, 1948? So yeah. that all gets put to bed. I want to talk a little bit about the legacy. And before I do that, I wanted to read something to you because this just came out tonight. Tonight, um, I'm reading this from ESPN. Um, and you mentioned this a little bit about what happened with Harbaugh and the suspensions and whatnot. But NCAA President Charlie Baker said that Michigan's football national championship was earned fair and square and that his organization's unusual decision to share the information about cheating allegations during the season should help eliminate doubts about the legitimacy of the Wolverines title run. Do you think that we'll start with that? Do you think that Charlie Baker is right? And that fans from other schools are going to say, you know what? This was a legitimate <laughs> title run and Michigan deserves all the credit. <laughs> well, I think I'd be given uh, uh, rival fans a little bit too much credit if I said that they would have that type of thinking. Uh, but it does bring a smile to my face to hear the NCAA president come out and say that because as soon as that trophy was raised, the biggest uh, weapon that I've seen used is, well, it's getting vacated anyways. Mm -hmm. So that, that seems to pretty much put that to bed. Uh, and yeah, if you're a Michigan fan, you pretty much should just not care what other fans think anyways. But I do agree. I, th I think that... Um, what Michigan did after it all came out. So you go to the very first game since the Connor Stallion suspension was Michigan State. They they won that game 49-0. to uh, they, they killed Purdue after that. They went to Penn State without their head coach and won. You know, they beat Ohio State. I mean, all this stuff to beat Bama, uh, you know, across Nick Saban, the, the greatest college football coach of all time. Uh, all of this without the ability of their – master science dealer Connor stallions so yeah i do think that it's a very legitimate thing if you want to say well man those wins against bowling green and east carolina there's just no way like they they're gonna beat those guys with their their third string so i'm not too worried like well they had Connor stallions for their non-conference and maybe a game against nebraska like that's another game they just they killed them it, yeah. it does remind me a little bit of like uh deflate gate where uh you know, Tom Brady got in a lot of hot water. The game that that he was accused of deflating the footballs, they won that game by like 30 points. I don't remember what the exact score was, but I just don't think that that margin of victory, uh, you know, that that's because the ball was two PSI low. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think that it's a very legitimate national title. Uh, I, I think if if you really wanted to dig into the weeds, maybe the best way to have it more legitimate uh, is going to come in a 12-team playoff because I think, personally, the second-best team, I still think Michigan is the best, but I think the second-best team was probably Georgia this year, uh, but they, and they they'll lost let you opportunity. Know too. <laughs> they will. They will. And I think they would have given Michigan a better game than Washington. I, I do believe that. But I, I still think that Michigan uh, would have been the better team because their defense is just that nasty. Uh, I think Georgia's offense would have struggled too. So, uh, But – 
Yeah, that's the that's the only thing. If Michigan could have beat Georgia, but Georgia didn't hold up their end of the bargain. They should have beat Bama if they wanted a chance. So, yeah, it's a legit title. It's one that Michigan's gonna they're gonna hold on to that one because it's been a while and fans have been dying for it. I know I have. So it's uh every day I wake up, I just like man, they're champions. I can <laughs> still think I can about just it. smile about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, more deeper into the legacy talk, uh, Jim Harbaugh. I, I, I'm going to talk about his future just in a, in a minute, but where does this leave him in the ranks of just all of college football? And, you know, if you, you rewind three years, there's a lot of people in the Michigan fan base that wanted him gone. So he goes yeah. from that and then almost in a blink of an eye, he's a national champion. How has the, you know, out view of Coach Harbaugh changed in that short of a time and where does it leave him now as far as his legacy? Not his future, but what he's done. So when when Michigan hired him in 2015, it I thought that the the mission or the objective was to restore Michigan to what it had been, uh, which is nationally relevant. Uh, Michigan had really fallen on dark times with uh, with Hoke and before him, Richrod. And for the first couple of years, it was like, well, we're pretty good, but we're, we're still not what we thought we'd be. And then they fell apart in 2020. And then the last three years, uh, I mean, top of the mountain. And so I say mission accomplished. He came to do basically what he did. He restored Michigan to its rightful place. Uh, they're at the top of the Big Ten. Right now they're at the top of the nation, which is something, uh, honestly, you can't even say Michigan has has really been that. Uh, you have the one year in 97, uh, and then before that you have to go all the way back to 48. So uh, I would say, yeah, mission accomplished. I think he's a Michigan legend. And uh, my personal opinion is if you want to have a statue of someone, I would take down Bo Schembechler. I'd put up Jim Harbaugh. Hmm. Uh, I think that that would be – a better image. And I know a lot of rival fans would still, you know, he's a cheater, but uh, I think he's got a, a better legacy for what he's done for the, the program. But yeah, you want to talk about future. He, he's gone <laughs> for sure. I, I, well, you know, you can't say, you know, no, no man knows the future uh, as Jim Harbaugh would say. And he's a weird guy. So he could shock people, but he has wanted to get back. There's no, denying that last year he interviewed with the the broncos uh the year before that it was the vikings and this year there's some pretty pretty nice job openings uh, personally if i was him i'd want to go coach justin herbert at the chargers mm -hmm. because he's an amazing quarterback and jim harbaugh he likes him he likes him a good quarterback so yeah uh, and honestly there's not a better time to get out because he's at the top of the mountain and he's gonna have to deal with probably some pending NCAA suspensions. Uh, so I think that just makes sense for him. And he's got one more mission to accomplish, which is a Super Bowl. So I expect him to leave. I would I would be happy if he uh, if he did come back, but I won't begrudge him uh, leaving now that he has accomplished what he set out to do, to do for this university. Wow. Okay. I, I feel like just based on everything that the way he was answering questions and the articles that have come out about him and both, both him and JJ, because they were both kind of asked like whether they were going to leave after this year. And I, there's the one press conference, I think it was a couple nights before the game where they kind of looked at each other and smirked at each other. And I don't know, I, I saw a tweet that someone made a lot of that, like they're both coming back, but uh, I read multiple times that JJ is coming back. What do you think about him? 
I would love for JJ to, to come back. I think he obviously has some growing to do as a quarterback. I think you saw that in the uh, the championship game in the Rose Bowl. There was times where he missed some throws, missed missed some reads, and you know just some more time he could iron some of those issues out, be more uh, polished. But obviously the tools are there, and NFL teams are drafting on potential, and his potential is is way up there. So. Personally, for what's best for him, I I think he if he has a first round guarantee, if a team says we will not let you leave the first round, which you know I'm not sure if he would get that or not, but if he did, I think he should go. Uh, next year, we're looking at a a pretty hefty exodus of talent on offense. Uh, offensive line is going to be missing some guys, uh, the, the entire interior, uh, and one of their tackles. So they're replacing four or five starters. Uh, They're going to replace their top two wide receivers. Both Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson are going to the NFL and Michigan's already pretty uh, attacked for their wide receiver play in general. So now they're going to replace their two best. It's, it's going to be a hefty climb for their next quarterback. And if JJ wants to improve, he's not going to have as many weapons as he had this year. Mm. Then again, if there's someone to help them navigate, it would be great to have him back because he is a fantastic quarterback. He's Jim Harbaugh's best Michigan quarterback. But I, if I was counseling him, if he had that first round spot locked up, he should go for sure. I see him as like a, as a second rounder at this point though. So I don't know, like you're saying, I don't know if he's going to get that guarantee. Uh, while we're on that topic, I know you do a lot for, uh, I know, I mean, you know, a lot, I should say about the NFL draft. What's happening with Blake Corum? Where is he going to land as far as round-wise? That's a tough one. Um, so I, I love the NFL draft. It's like a passion of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I check out all these mock drafts. And so you look at Corum, uh, even JJ. I saw him mocked uh, as high as like 10 or 12 the other day. And then I also saw him mocked, like you said, in the second round. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Corum, I saw him mocked second round uh, the other day. And I've seen him third round and, and even lower. Um I, I think he should be a day two type of guy. Uh, second or third round seems right. He's he's not an NFL sized running back. He's five right. foot eight, but he's also going to be a ready made contributor. He can do a little bit of everything. And uh, if you're needing a running back two, I think he could fill that for just about any team. And he's gonna he's gonna give his all. So I definitely like him as a day two guy, but. It's hard to say running backs are not valuable in the NFL. So yeah. who knows? I mean, maybe he goes to even day three uh, and someone's going to be getting an absolute, you know, steal. Uh, you never know. I mean, the Chiefs got Pacheco. I believe he was like a seventh round or maybe undrafted running backs. is It's a crazy science the way the NFL, you know, they run through running backs. So hard to predict Blake Corum but he will be missed. He's uh he's a Mount Rushmore type Michigan player. That's for sure his legacy is cemented as a champion and one of our the best to ever do it. You just mentioned Isaiah Pacheco like I'm envisioning Blake Corum in the Chiefs uniform. Like I feel like he'd be fun in that offense. Like they would find a way to get him the ball the right way. I feel like that'd be awesome. Obviously, they're not going to take him cuz they already have a young guy, but uh that would be fun. All right, we've talked about football. I'm not letting you go. On a perfect note, though, say something right. nice about the basketball team. 
I have to say something nice or can I say something? Uh, you really can say mean? whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the Juwan Howard experiment needs to end. Uh, yeah. It's it's rough. It's brutal. Uh, man, it, it started off on a high note, but it did seem like maybe that was just the momentum or the inertia from Beeline's guys. Uh, but the cracks were always there. I mean, late games, they've always fallen apart. Uh, some of the plays that are drawn up out of timeouts with the game on the line, it's like, man, you know, we were doing that stuff in, in JV basketball and, mm-hmm. you know, fifth grade basketball, they do stuff like that. So uh, the writing's been on the wall and it is absolutely falling apart this season. Uh, <laughs> right now, uh, just came out, Doug McDaniel is getting mm-hmm. suspended for being uh, academically uh, ineligible, not ineligible, but he's having academic issues and he's only playing uh, home games. I have never heard of a player only playing home games, but it doesn't shock me because the other night, uh, coach Howard was the assistant coach. He just, he had Phil Martelli be the head coach just because the game was in Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, this, this program does, they, they do what they want. We hit other coaches. We yell at our own coaches. I mean, it is a clown show right now. So, uh, we are very lucky as Michigan fans that we can, (laughs) we can sit back, uh, and just kind of be hugged by this Michigan football team. And like basketball is not hurting us as much, but it was a really proud program under beeline and it's, it's really fallen off. So it's sad. Does he get fired before the end of the season? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure if, uh, if that would help them or not. Obviously you have Phil Martelli who could run the program, uh, and probably do it just as well or better than, uh, than Juwan. Definitely better. If, if they could, if they fired him before the season, if that would salvage the relationship with their strength, uh, and conditioning coach, uh, John Sanderson, who was in that altercation with John Howard, then I would say it's worth it. If that relationship is basically toast, then maybe they just let him continue to do his job because, you know, either you pay him to sit at home or you pay him to continue to coach this crappy team. That's, so that's a good point. Yeah. You might as well let him finish it out. Like, <laughs> where are you giving you the money? Yeah, work, so. work for your money. Exactly. So, but yeah, it does seem like uh, this is probably it. And it is too bad. It really started out with promise. It looked like this this could be awesome, and it's really not. It's not. It's it's hard to watch at this point. His name is Brandon. Brandon, tell everybody about your show and what's been going on with that lately. So uh, we have the Jonesing for Sports podcast, which is myself and my two brothers. We cover sports in the state of Michigan. So lately has been more Michigan football because that's been you know the hot topic. We also cover stuff like the Detroit Tigers. The we don't talk about the Pistons very much because they make us too sad. I was going to say why not? Uh, <laughs> it, it is so bad right now that if there's a basketball program that's more disappointing than Michigan basketball, it is the Detroit Pistons. It is awful. Uh, any Detroit team, we, we love to talk about that. Uh, we'll, we'll hit Michigan State. Uh, we'll hit pretty much anything of interest. I mean, we might even jump to just Big Ten stuff sometimes, kind of uh, maybe jump into your your territory a little bit from time to time. Do it. Uh, we haven't, haven't recorded a ton lately. Uh, we've had a lot of life changes in the Jones family, but we did cover the Michigan Championship recently. And then we also do another podcast under the Jonesing umbrella. It's Football Frenemies. It's myself. And my my college roommate Cody, who is an Ohio State fan, so we just talk about college football uh, from a perspective of the greatest rivalry in sports. So it gets pretty heated. It gets fun, and uh, we'll we'll cover the off season, you know, recruiting, uh, coaching changes, and of course, we're gonna get some opinions about 
you know, what's wrong with Ohio State? Because that's always fun for me to talk about <laughs> and to rib Cody a little bit. So that's that's where we got the Jonesing for Sports podcast. You can find that anywhere you find a podcast. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Old Brando. Got it up on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. I love your guys' show. Uh, you and Cody, I will say, just as a side note, so I, I'm always impressed with how knowledgeable you guys are about the entire landscape of college football because uh, as someone who just like barely tries to like casually cover one conference, it's hard enough. But um, anytime I throw on your guys' show and you and Cody are talking and you're talking about teams that I've barely watched a single snap of and you guys have in-depth knowledge about it, it's super interesting to me. So I enjoy watching your guys or listening, I should say, listening to your guys' show. Uh, speaking of other shows, Real quick, I do have to plug this too. I'm doing basketball, a basketball episode this week, but I will also be joining uh, the Big Ten Huddle every Sunday night live on YouTube, and it goes out on Twitter as well. For the remainder of the season, me and JR will be talking hoops every Sunday night, so go check out the Big Ten Huddle and JR. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on today. Congratulations to Michigan, and uh, enjoy the offseason. Hey, thanks so much. Go Blue.